This is Carol Steves, and you're listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Today is Friday, August 7th, 2020. This is from the Might of the Thoughts. There's so many trials and tribulations going on in the world right now that I thought a little encouragement might be good for the listeners out there. This is from page 396. When tensions, conflicts, and confusions and so forth provoke the human being, then the personality which functions as a unity comprising the inner nature and consciousness does not function in a form that is healthy, correct, progressive, and effective. Therefore, a corrective element is required by means of which the disadvantages disadvantages resolved, but this can only be harmony, which, once it is created as an ability, begins to run through and equalize everything and strengthen the optimism, which must likewise be achieved. However, each achievement of a capability means that a battle must be fought with oneself. But a battle means that tensions and obstacles emerge, which, which, which must be conquered and overcome, even if that is often very difficult. However, battles, tensions, and obstacles can often be much more easily won, conquered, and overcome when the necessary equalizedness of the consciousness and of the thoughts and feelings is first of all acquired, whereby a corresponding harmony and optimism likewise follow to the same degree. But that also means that many battles, tensions, and obstacles only arise because the human being does not create any harmony in himself or herself, or simply drops out of harmony and thereby sinks into pessimism. If a human being is optimistic in an inadequate and fickle form, then this minimal optimism expires as soon as the harmony is disturbed and neglected, which, with an inadequate optimism, is indeed only there in sufficient, insufficient measure. However, if the consciousness, together with its thoughts, is built upon harmony, then that also applies for the optimism from which joy and hope that is to say, expectation slash confidence always result. Therefore, if the consciousness and the thoughts are full of joy, then harmony is also connected with it, from which joy indeed arises. And everything which is tackled and undertaken then moves in this harmony-joy state. Through the harmony-joy state, every activity becomes the encouraging fulfillment of obligation, which is practiced with satisfaction. Therefore, harmony also has an effect on work. Indeed, no matter what work concerns and whether it is easy or difficult, trained or untrained, or is appealing or unappealing for oneself in terms of mood and so forth. A human being who has at his or her disposal an evolutive harmony and therefore a progressive, creative, and constructive harmony also possesses the power to do all work with joy, no matter 
which kind it is, and regardless of whether it appeals to him or her or not. The human being of joy, of harmony, joy, optimism, puts his or her values regarding this into every activity to be carried out by him or her. Consequently, he or she performs every activity with joy. Today my guest is Daniel Cooper. Daniel has been on my show a couple of other times. Daniel is a musician and um, an up-and-coming author. We've discussed that on some of the other programs. If um, you haven't heard my other interviews with Daniel, you can become more acquainted with him on um, some of my previous episodes. So join me now for my interview with Daniel Cooper. Anyway, so, so, um, yeah, do you want to talk about your, your behind the scenes film that you're putting out? Yeah. You haven't released it yet, right? No, not yet. I've okay. been trying to add little things here and there. Just, uh, I, just a couple of days ago, I added a segment about the first music video that I made in Switzerland and, um, and, uh, that's the one or one of the ones that Billy saw when he asked me to make the second one in Switzerland. So, um, and then, uh, yeah. So I just kind of went into some of the behind the scenes, I guess we have lots of extra footage of this and that, not so much story oriented footage, but just kind of footage of different things happening. You know, you can pretty much tag it anywhere. And, uh, it's not like the adventure documentary here in Canada where we just kind of filmed the whole thing and had an actual story, you know, lined up through the, all that footage um this is more just kind of footage where you're just here's some ducks <laughs> here's some flowers you know here's somebody mm-hmm. working in the garden you know this kind of thing so right yeah so there's lots of that and uh a lot of the times they didn't want to be filmed much anyway or they didn't really care much about filmmakers and helping that and all that sort of thing so you just kind of have to work with whatever you get <laughs> yeah such is the world of dealing with human beings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. try and get a smile if you can and <laughs> film it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, no, it's good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just almost, almost done that little um, behind the scenes video and uh, trying to figure out what to say in the intro um, for, for people to uh if they want to support it you know that sort of thing so um yeah it's always the hardest part is the intro same thing with the book it was always the hardest part was the intro the rest of the book was easy and then you try and figure out an intro that's not too boring and long and stupid and blah, 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 and uh yeah and then uh <laughs> it's always that it's, it, it always comes down to that so um yeah so um, as soon as i figure that out then i'll uh i'll try and put it out on on youtube and uh trying to sort out other stuff for selling the music on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. haven't done that yet, surprisingly, with any of our music or my music um, yet. So, yeah. How come you haven't done that yet? It's complicated. I don't know how oh. the process works. And that's just, you know, there used to be music industries that helped with that stuff. 
And oh, I uh, see what you're saying. Yeah. Now you pretty much have to be the entire industry in your own little studio. And it's like, well, <laughs> I just spent, you know, 20 years learning an instrument. And uh, now I have to be a brilliant marketing expert and a brilliant publishing expert and a brilliant this expert and an internet expert and an everything expert. And it's like, oh, for crying out loud, <laughs> I just focus on my actual purpose of what I was actually doing in the first place so yeah um, you know having to get into filmmaking and all that stuff was you know that's a big thing mm -hmm. so now I have to be this brilliant marketing expert too on top of it and publish everything here and there and have all the legal stuff everything all kind of sorted out and everything and I'm just sitting there scratching my head just thinking man is this even worth it so uh, yeah, I could see why you feel that way <laughs> yeah there isn't a day that goes by when I don't feel that way yeah. So, yeah, um, many, many, many thousands of times I thought, man, am I actually doing this for a real purpose or is this just going nowhere? And uh, should I continue? Should I not? So, yeah. But then, you know, you look at uh, what, you know, the end result at the end of the day and uh, it's stuff that's going to last, you know, a long time through the generations and stuff that's going to be appreciated, hopefully, for a long time. And you know so yeah it just takes figuring out and learning and sorting all the boring stuff out so and it is extremely boring i don't understand a word of it so uh, trying to what do you, what's what's boring what do you mean oh just setting up all of the stuff on all oh the legalese yeah streaming oh, no. and all this stuff oh, and so on and so I, forth I yeah know. yeah so i don't is. i don't understand any of it it's i know just, you read it and you go well they don't write it in plain english then there's that. Yeah, you have to be an expert in that exact thing. And it's like, mm, yeah, I'm not. You have to get an interpreter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but who knows the uh, stuff? So yeah. I, yep. I contacted a few marketing agencies and they're like, well, you have to be pretty much successful before we look at you. And I'm like, well, great, thanks. <laughs> you know, like, really? It doesn't really help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what they want you pretty much have to do it all by yourself first like be an expert at everything and then and then they'll look at you and it's like well okay you know that's not what it used to be like um i think i don't think the beatles were uh out there learning how to print records or how to no they weren't do marketing no. for millions of people on tv and all that stuff they weren't doing any of that there, they were composers and singers yeah well uh, there isn't any companies that are like a done for you they they, they have a little package thing they, they do for beginning. Really? That seems like seem that'd like be a niche. I, I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and there's really nothing. Really? I don't think it seems to me, at least, that people don't like all those so-called companies, whatever they are, um, don't really know how to do it themselves because it's always changing. You know, there's always something new, something that, you know, gets oh. pulled out, you know, from under it or... Mm -hmm. And things haven't really recovered since the internet came along, so for, for the music world. Um, and so, yeah, there's really no revenue whatsoever for any of this um, so far. Um, Interesting. And yeah, this stuff costs a lot of money to produce. So, you know, I have one song on uh, YouTube that I posted with the music video that I made in Canada. And, you know, it cost me about 15 grand to just produce the recording, just the, re the sound recording for that. Are you kidding me? No. 15 and, grand yeah and so 
um, you know, I had orchestra, string orchestra, and all kinds of stuff in there. And, um, you know, I was going through different studios, trying to figure out the best avenue for um, mixing the music. And, um, you know, I was using a studio before that was not really designed for that. They only had a system where you could just do it for, like, a day. And then as soon as you leave that session and you come back to it the next day, you have to pretty much start all over again. So that's not really what you need these days, you know. Um, even my own little studio, I can do, you know, I can come back to it six months later if I want to, and it'll still be what it was when I when I left mm -hmm. the session. So anyway, so I had to go through all that whole loop, and uh, that was big, 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 big pain, very expensive. And um, and that was just for what? which song was this? Uh, La Vagüenza. Um the one that's shot in Canada with all the winter footage and all that stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it took me like yeah. a year and a half to produce just the video side of it. No, it was more than that. It was two years because I had all the different seasons, all the best times of the season. So there was two winters, two fall times. Um, summertime, there wasn't much to, much, much to shoot. There was two spring times that I went through to get all the footage I needed for that video. And, um, yeah, so, and now it's on YouTube. And so what happens, it's not my song that I, like, I didn't compose it. I mean, I arranged everything, but mm -hmm. I didn't compose the song. So now all of the proceeds that would ever be made from that song go to the actual writer of the song. So yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> I get nothing. So really? Yeah. So I was just like, okay, that's, uh, that's very nice. Thanks guys. And, uh, so who, yeah. who wrote it? Um, guy in Cuba. Oh, okay. His name is. Uh, uh, Do you I know him? Silvio Rodriguez. No, I don't. Oh, okay. No, he's a famous kind of folk singer there. Oh, the I see. So, anyway, so yeah, that's. Uh, I'm just glad it wasn't like taken down <laughs> from YouTube, you know, because that happens yeah. a lot. But. Um, yeah, no, I was, uh, anyway, so that's the story with that. So I, uh, since then, haven't produced any um, cover songs because, yeah, what's the point? Um, so, you know, I have a whole album full of cover songs that I spent, you know, a ton of money on. And, what about all these mus musicians out there that are doing covers? Yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, if you figure out how to do the iTunes and all that stuff and everything else and the Spotify and so on and all that crap, then yeah, great. But, you know. Um, oh, then you make money from it. Possibly. Oh. Possibly. Um, it's not guaranteed for by any stretch of the imagination. So, so yeah, it just takes a lot of sorting out. And no, but out. I, what I mean is, are you saying it's not guaranteed because the song may not sell or it's not guaranteed legally? No, it's not guaranteed just because, you know, it's, it might not sell. It might not, you know, no, but, okay, you have a so, tiny little YouTube channel or, you know, that sort so of thing. So legally, it's, you've overcome that hurdle. Then. In that sense, yeah, you would be able to. So oh, okay. um, you would get a smaller portion of it, of course. Mm -hmm. So for my compositions, I get, you know, 100% of the, of the um, royalty. And uh, anyway, so... It's just all this stuff, you know, and it's like one thing after another after another. And it's like, OK, so where do you start? You know? <laughs> yeah. So do do? is every song, song going to cost you that much money then to produce? If I did it in someone else's studio, yes. Um, so that song was recorded 
you know, in a studio because I can't record a whole band in my little studio. Yeah. And I also can't record a whole orchestra in my studio. Mm -hmm. So the orchestra was in Ireland. I actually went to Ireland <laughs> to record some other stuff. Um, and then they just happened to have this orchestra in their studio. And, and yeah, they said, well, yeah, we could put something over that song. That would sound great. They wrote something and it sounded awesome. And uh, yeah, it was definitely worth it. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just, it, yeah, it costs, you know, per day, it's about 850 bucks in a studio. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it took several days just to get the basic part without the orchestra um, in the studio, just, just for that. And then, uh, yeah, we tried mixing it a bunch of times. It always never worked. And then I found this other guy um, through a friend of mine in Ireland, and he was able to, uh, he has a better system for that, that sort of thing. So again, there's the whole learning process, you know, because you're not, not everyone is a studio engineer either, you know, so you think, oh, just because you play your instrument, you can record. Nah, <laughs> it doesn't work that way at all. Well, that so, makes sense. You have, that's another skill you have to develop. Oh, it's huge. People get university yeah. degrees for that. So yeah. it's, you know, um, and so it's not like, uh, every idiot can just walk in here and, and start recording, you know, top quality, you know, um, recordings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course I can record something in my studio, like, yeah, whatever, but it's not like good quality, um, that you need for each instrument has its own little niche of, you know, expertise and so on. The guitars have a certain thing that you need and bass has certain things that you need and strings have a totally different set of kind of microphones and things that you need and different oh really i didn't know on that and on and on. oh yeah it's ridiculous so um i have a special mic just for my sax you know um and it was you know expensive huh. and uh so but did it, yeah did they used to have special microphones for all the different instruments oh yeah it's, it's all the instruments have you know there's vocal mics there's uh you know okay. different kinds of things different depending on what you're looking for and um, yeah, so um, stereo mics and mono mics and all kinds of different things. So yeah, um, so yeah, I, I uh, you know I had to learn as much as I could just to get my own little tiny studio going. And uh, you know I've been uh, been able to do some good stuff with that. And um, so yeah, it's just everything is a huge learning learning curve. And uh, so, yeah, it would be nice if there was an actual industry helping with that stuff, but it's just gone now. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Like all the music um, producing companies that I've ever met all went under eventually. So, oh, so it's wow. just not, it's not profitable. So, so what are those people doing now? I wonder that we're in that industry. Oh, well, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, I'm just kind of, you know, it just makes me wonder where they all went. Yeah, well, it's, you know, they still, there's still studios, like usually studios, the studios themselves make good money because mm -hmm. you pay them, you know, like, right. like, like I said, like 850 bucks a day just for the one I was using, but it's still, you know, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not like those guys are there making music themselves or, you know, producing records it's usually just people come into the studio that are from outside and then they just pay you to record it and then mm -hmm. maybe mix it too and all that kind of stuff so it's yeah not the most enjoyable process in the world i have to say but uh, yeah no, it's nice when you get a good result but anyway still a long way to go if i'm to uh do anything with that <laughs> for sure so yeah 
So the yeah, the the video that I made in Switzerland is yeah, it's done and I'm happy with that and uh you know, it took three or four trips um of filming just just for the it was actually three trips of filming to the center for the second video and one trip of filming for the first video. Mm-hmm. And um the second video was just way more complicated because it involved other people and it involved the actual center and stuff because you know, there might have been security issues. There was a couple of shots I wasn't able to use and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And, what do you uh, mean security issues? Well, you know, just they don't want to show the whole grounds to the whole world because you just never know who's going to watch that stuff and oh. make use of it. So, yeah. Oh, so they don't want you to show like a clear layout of like where everything is, that kind of thing. Right. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Um, they have lots of foliage and trees and stuff on the property, I think, I imagine, because of security reasons. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, oh, I thought really... it was because it's Switzerland and lots of stuff grow there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at the pictures from the 1970s, I guess they didn't have anything on that property. It was, it was pretty bare. <laughs> so they, they planted all those trees. And, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And them go, so. yeah. But, I mean, there's lots of trees in Switzerland is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, but on their property there wasn't, and some oh. of the properties around their place there's. So there know, was no open. the pine trees and everything weren't there. Uh, I don't know about that. I just they had to be. Seeing... They're huge. Yeah, well, there's lots of uh, lots of um, areas where you see in the 1970 versus 1980s pictures versus the 19 uh, whatever 90s, and you see all the different progressions where there was like nothing. And like you could see the house from the top of the hill, like just plainly, like there was nothing there. And then, <laughs> you know, now it's just completely, you know, big, huge trees and, and sequoias and all sorts of neat things. So, so I think things just grow very quickly there. Um, oh, I see. Huh. Yeah. Not like here where you plant a tree and it grows like, you know, it might be six inches in 30 years. <laughs> wow. so, there it's like, yeah, it's like Vancouver Island. You know, it's very kind of humid. Right. Or just and it rains rain. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the trees are so tall there. I just, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I figured the forests were there already when they bought the property because it's a pretty good sized property. And I could see well, the, around the house there wasn't a lot, but I just assumed the forests were there. I don't know about the forests. That's not That's in the what pictures. I was speaking of, actually. Yeah. Although, um, you know, you look at the sequoias and stuff that they planted, and it doesn't look like they're much smaller than the big forest trees that are around there either. So they do hmm. cut them back quite often, those trees that are in the forest and so on. For Right, I know. But reasons. the money that would have taken to... I mean, how many acres is that? Do you know? 36. How many? How many? 36. Yeah, that's about what I figured they had, about thirty between 30 and 40 acres, because mm-hmm. Bill was asking me. Okay. And... That would take a tremendous amount of money to put a forest on 36 acres. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, well, things just grow so easily there. I mean, mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I can just see the trees. And that's over plant. how many years? Since 1975 or something. I don't know. Okay. 19, I don't know if it's 1975 when they bought the property or maybe something later. Something like that. Wasn't it pretty close to that? Close to that. Yeah. Yeah. Between 1975 and 1980, <laughs> let's just say. 
So, although could, it must have been, it must have been, it must have been there because the first documentary, the contact one, was all on that property. So, and that came out in what 1978 or something. Yeah, and it was it was pretty green, and I mean, I saw that it's still very lush looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know the part where they have the chairs on the deck there. There was nothing. Well, of course, that's not what I was saying, Daniel. <laughs> I was you're saying there was nothing, and I was saying, well, the forest was there either, and you're like, no, I don't think no, so. I don't, I don't. I don't know about the forest. I'm. I'm saying yeah. I just know about the area around the house. So. Right. They landscaped yeah. the area around the house. Mm-hmm. I know they did a lot of work there. Mm-hmm. Tremendous sure. amount of work. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So. But yeah, when you see the plant, the trees that they actually planted, they look huge. So, mm-hmm. you know, even now after 40 years or whatever. Yeah, that's like when we drive back to our old houses, even here in Colorado, where things don't grow as fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a couple of homes that were new. And so everything, the trees were little and now they're mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and that's yeah. not even as many years as what we're talking about here. So, right. Right. But it's just the sheer volume is what I was talking about that they would have had to put in if they mm. forested 36 acres of property. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, there was, um, you look in some of the old video footage and stuff, there was some forest there, of course. Mm. Yeah, I thought so. Some of the other locations and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not around the house itself, but yeah. Right. Around. Like if you go towards Sitzberg and all that sort of stuff, then I think that was probably forested before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and some of the parts below as well in the yeah. kind of ravines and all that stuff so mm-hmm. yeah so i have no idea i haven't asked that question <laughs> yeah oh well it's it's like a tangent we just went off on so whatever <laughs> <laughs> beautiful place <laughs> yeah it is a beautiful place yeah 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 so it was uh it was actually kind of hard to film because yeah the first video was just so easy you just found the nicest location just went set up and just filmed you didn't have to worry about people or what they think and all this kind of stuff and uh-huh. ask their opinions at the end or anything because it didn't involve any of them anyway so it was great what do you and mean was, ask their opinions well just see if they think the video is you know good enough or if there's some things that they might want to change or that don't fit or you know that sort of thing so um, um what, I, I guess i'm not sure what you mean um i don't know either i guess you know some one 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 of the guys who was complaining he was like oh it has no storyline and it you know makes me seasick and all this kind of stuff and i'm like well then don't watch it (laughs) make your own video (laughs) what no say that again (laughs) yeah well yeah you know i guess he was just uh kind of picking it apart and all that stuff and i was just like oh well whatever not everyone's happy with everything so that's so you were showing it to people to get their um opinions well they wanted to see it before it was published um because you know it involved them and their faces and oh i see what you're saying okay i thought you meant while you were there no 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 after you finished everything i could you had to kind of put their okay on it is that what you're saying yeah 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 okay yeah. And yeah. somebody it made him seasick. <laughs> That's what he said, yeah. <laughs> I said it was like too long, it should be only three minutes, and you don't need the last, you know, two minutes of it. And I'm like, oh whatever. It's not a Britney Spears film, get over it. <laughs> oh, well I thought it was more about what you're asking him 
Um, well, they just wanted to make sure there were certain things that were in it that weren't in it or something. Is that why they needed to oh, see I it? don't know. They just they just wanted to make sure there was, you know, nothing like some of the people didn't want to be in it at all, you know, and that sort of oh, thing. Okay. And okay. uh, you know, some made the suggestion maybe you could have some writing in it, you know, of this and that, maybe. And I tried some with like the seventy seven phrases, like a version with that, and it didn't mm-hmm. really work out very well. I mean, I kinda liked it, but at the same time, it kind of took away from the scenery and the place of it. And, and right, because that's what you were, you were immersing people in that, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you're right. It would have just fallen into the background. If mm-hmm. it was really about the verses, mm-hmm. I mean, you could do something like that later and have like a soft, you could just shoot it around where you live. Right, exactly. And have soft, you know, like a, like a, um, an impression of nature mm-hmm. and so that, it's more about what you're writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the 77 phrases have all kinds of things in relation to, like, hard work and all these kinds of things that right. really, you know. But, yeah, it totally took away from it. So, I we, d- we all decided, yeah, it's probably best not to have it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I tried their suggestion. didn't work. And, uh, yeah, we have what we have now, and that'll work just fine. <laughs> yeah, and maybe if you do... One with the phrases in it, you could have like a shot and then a a black screen or something, you know, with the words over it and then a shot or something. I don't know. You know yeah, just, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's not easy. I bet. Timing I bet it, it with is. The music is. Timing the shots with the music is one thing. Mm-hmm. And then having to bring writing into it and time those as well so that it's not taking away from the shot. And, eh, right. It's just, I could it's see a, where that would be tough. Months of Especially work. if you, they wanted a lot in there, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's months and months of work, and that's like six to eight hours a day of work. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, yeah, yeah. But these videos take a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of time. So just for the editing, just for the video mm-hmm. part of it, not even not even talking about the music. So the music, yeah, we we did the music actually long before we ever even had the idea for this video. Right. And, well, that, um, well, that's why I chose uh, a podcast because of my limited time, my limited. <laughs> You know, as far as technical equipment, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't want to be editing video. Mm-hmm. No, it's a big job. Voice, voice is enough. You know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah so, no, it is, and yeah, just ask a a, a recording artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure putting music together is a long process and a lot of work, and uh, just by itself, without the video, is probably just as much work as the video itself so so are most musicians that are producing music videos that are not famous you know so they don't have someone doing it for them are they they're doing it like you're doing it then i suspect i guess yeah i don't know i have no idea what other people do (laughs) oh you don't ask just to get some ideas no, I mean I've seen oh. other I've seen other friends who make music videos, but they're incredibly simplistic. Like it'll just be one shot the whole way through, you know that kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. No, I'm not like, talking about that. I'm talking about no. what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no. what I'm doing is kind of different in that sense. I think uh, most musicians wouldn't want to go off on such a huge tangent because um, it takes away from the actual music practice and all that stuff too. So, so that's uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> You just you have to do what you can, I guess. But I just wanted to do. I always wanted to do something that was more than just the music, you know. 
And um, yeah, I had a dream when I was in grade 12 because I was really in a crisis at that point of what I want to do with my life. You know, it's kind of typical at that age. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had just spent a few months in near Vancouver um, in my grade 12, my first few grade 12 months for music. Um, there was a great music school there and and um, I had a bunch of friends that were going there and so on. And I was just completely not fitting in there at all, like as a human being in any shape, in any way, like just what? totally not. How come? Oh, just well, because, yeah, you know, the kinds of thoughts I was having at the time about all the calculations and so on. So, okay. um, yeah, um, that was going on in my head. And at the same time, I was trying to do all this music stuff. But the music I just found was so shallow. <laughs> like, all the people that were into it were so shallow. And I was like, oh, this is so not why I got into this. Mm-hmm. It was just so frustrating. And um yeah, so it was all this, you know, kind of jazz stuff and whatever, and you know, it's good for uh, good for practice, good for um, like theory, learning, and all that kind of stuff. But it's not something I ever wanted to invite people to listen to. <laughs> you know so what I mean? So you're saying it was jazz? Yeah, it was. Yeah, most of it, and you know, a bit of classical band stuff, like concert mm-hmm. band stuff, and whatever. So, so you you do like any kind of jazz or? Or do you do you dislike all jazz? I don't like all jazz. I really don't. Um, okay. There's some very good stuff, but man, it's like diamond in the rough, you know. Like Stan Getz, fantastic. Paul, um, what's his name? Pat Metheny, absolutely uh-huh. love a lot of yeah. his stuff. Not all of it. That's why I asked you because Pat Metheny's great. I think so. Oh, he's yeah, amazing, and okay. uh, I love his creativity. And you know, he doesn't just play jazz standards. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what drives me insane. About what, are, what, jazz. what do you mean by jazz standards? Oh, God, well, it's just all these like songs that were written in the you know, forties, fifties, sixties, you know, that kind of thing. And oh, every okay. jazz jam you ever go to, that's all they play, like autumn oh, leaves, summertime, oleo, whatever. Future. They're, they're kind of stuck in. Totally stuck in that, and yeah. they won't even deviate in terms of style. So you mm-hmm. might want to play a certain song, but in a different style than it was originally played in. It's like, oh, no, we can't do that. You know, it's like these like history Nazis, you know, the history music. Nazis. Well, wait, I, I just, thought they were, they were oh. big on improv, though. Exactly. You would think so. But it's just <laughs> okay. like totally the opposite of what you expect. Huh. And it drives me absolutely nuts. It drives so me nuts. So for them, improv is just that train wrecky music they play. And yes. Then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an excuse for not practicing. That's that's what I call that. Because <laughs> it really sounds like a train wreck. It sounds like a bunch of guys were on their bicycles with their instruments and they all crashed into each other. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's the stuff I hate. I cannot stand that stuff. So, so they'll do that, but they won't They won't do new arrangements of old pieces. No, exactly. Exactly. Huh. So, And if they well, do, it's just like... That. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so irritating. It, that's not why I got into music. I would rather go and listen to some Irish jig you know with like a tin whistle or something that to me is way more beautiful and way more exciting than listening to an awful train wreck yeah mm-hmm. so but again there is some good jazz and it's just like it's like one out of 99 times you'll find something amazing you know mm-hmm. and it is really really good and so it's those that i kind of look for but you know then people think well you play the saxophone you must love all jazz and it's like no <laughs> 
just because the saxophone became prominent around that time doesn't mean that that's the only music that that you know instrument right. is good for uh-huh. um it does classical really well you can do rock really well with it it's uh, fantastic fun you can do cuban you can do all these fun things and it's great so yeah i just what made uh, you choose the saxophone oh i love it it's a beautiful oh, okay. sound it's okay. a beautiful sound I I don't know. When I was a kid, I mean, I didn't think much about it. I just thought, yeah, this is a fun instrument. Oh, sure. because I hear funny. I've asked other people that, like, why did you choose, you know, like the cello, <laughs> or you know, and and, oh, and I hear things cello. like, well, it was the biggest instrument in the band room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard stories like that too. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. like, really? That's why you chose it, you know? Or <laughs> their their parent played it, or right? Uh, you know, I hear stuff like that a lot right. when I ask someone why they picked a certain instrument. Well, when I was or that's kid, just I had... the instrument they were given to play. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I had lots of choices. You know, I tried piano lessons when I was like five or six, and I hated it. It mm-hmm. was just way too boring. And then I stopped that, and then I picked up the sax a couple of years later. And it was okay. It was fun. And then I tried the trumpet for a year, hated it, and went back to the sax. And and I uh, just kept going on it after ever since. So, so you had a- access to music lessons then? Yeah, yeah. Lots of band camps and music lessons. Wow, that's nice. Uh that, yeah. What what a great opportunity! I can't even imagine mm. that. <laughs> really? Okay. No, no, I was never given any opportunities like that. I can't even imagine having oh, wow. access to that kind of thing. Mm. That's amazing. amazing. Well, yeah, I it guess. Really and, well, the other side of it too is that I grew up in a place with very few people, mm-hmm. and so when it comes to practicing a loud instrument, you can do that so much more easily than if you live in the city. So even here, I knew people that lived in. A, you know, townhouse, and they couldn't practice, so they had bad tone. Doesn't matter what instrument they played; they always had bad tone. And uh, okay, you know, their tuning sucked, and their phraseology phraseology kind of was totally stunted because they had bad tone. They couldn't practice their tone. Right. And so I didn't have that problem, and I really notice oh, it now. Right. Uh, I just mean access to the lessons to the camps. Oh, well, that's yeah. that's amazing. I mean, well, I, I was, guess a lot of kids had that. I, I yeah. Not necessarily. I, I was really lucky. I had a teacher. Um, he had stopped playing the saxophone a couple of years before I he took me on as a student. Mm-hmm. I think I was 10 or something when I started with him. And he noticed immediately that I was actually interested. And he got rid mm-hmm. of all of his other students and kept me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he... Not only, like, he was just the best because he had an understanding of things that made things simple. Whereas a lot of teachers with big egos, they like to make things sound as complicated as possible to baffle you and to make you think, oh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, I know. Isn't that level. unfortunate? That's, it's ridiculous. And so this guy just cut through all the crap. Like, it was just like, nope, you can do that. Of course you can do that. Just do this, 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 and this. And then you'll be able to do it. No problem. Like, that's it. Yeah, no he, history, he, no he, magic, no... Ooh, you know all these right. stupid tales of... those are the best teachers aren't they yeah yeah and i was able to play every style with him you know in his lessons i we went through books for like hours at a time or whatever you know mm-hmm. and uh, just say yep i like that song i like that song no i don't like that song no don't know that, that song but it sounds nice you know and whatever and so i was able to just pick the music that i actually wanted to play and develop my sound through that it wasn't That's just wonderful like, yeah it's the best actually. it is yeah it's that really- is 
I, there was classical teachers here in town too. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I could see that they were very regimented and strict and, Oh, you cannot do this until you do that. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Oh, God, get away from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so are your parents musical then? Uh, a little bit, not much. So not really. I mean, to a degree they sing, I guess my mom plays a bit of guitar and my dad played just like uh, cowboy songs and that sort of thing and sang with his guitar. Okay. And, so they had some appreciation for it then. Yeah. My grandma, my, my grandmother played accordion and piano and a bunch oh, of different great. Things. So, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So yeah, it was appreciated. That's, that helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tremendously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to yeah. practicing an instrument, it's kind of like changing diapers. It's really not uh, a good sound most of the time, but you got to do it. <laughs> right. Well, and I think, you know, with, I think the average parent out there, I think it takes an extraordinary parent to um, let their kids find their own thing Mm -hmm. or encourage them in directions that they're not in things they're not interested in. Right. Uh, That doesn't seem to happen a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was fortunate in that sense. I had the ability to, uh, yeah, explore, explore, music in a sense that was freeing and not uh, that's nice constrained. so yeah but again it really a lot of it came down to the teacher as well and and mm-hmm. so on so if you don't have a teacher that is in agreement with that then yeah good luck <laughs> right i had other teachers and they were all just kind of sticks in the mud and every time you said you like something musically they would be snobs at you and say oh no you can't like that because blah 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 and like history and this and that and it's like oh boy just leave me alone get away from me <laughs> well like Toxic what kind of reasons did they give you for not that you couldn't like something oh because it wasn't historically regarded as like whatever you know it wasn't avant-garde enough or it wasn't this enough or it wasn't you know just all these stupid historic oh, snobs okay <laughs> i hate that I stuff like yeah you're a music historian great but you're not a musician you don't play yeah. your instrument do you no, you don't. Okay, well, so why are you telling me what to like musically? Here I am actually playing my instrument, learning my instrument. Why can't I just play what I actually mm-hmm. think feels good to play and just develop that? Because, you know, it's kind of like growing a beautiful rose versus a crappy old bush. Like, why the hell would you just put effort into growing a crappy old bush when you can make a beautiful rose? So you plant the seed, it takes just as much effort. But, well, in the end of the day, it takes way more effort to put a crappy old bush because well you don't like it you don't like the you you don't like the end result you don't like the the process you don't like anything about it because yeah well what's the point so crappy old bush (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) well you know you got to shovel that manure either way so you gotta Mm -hmm. you know what are you gonna choose to do with that time um yeah so that's uh yeah I, I, that's what it felt like um mm-hmm. you know all these toxic gross awful snobby looking down at you kind of historians that didn't play an instrument very well mm-hmm. that's what they use is snob appeal because they can't play their instrument well then that's all they have you know to muscle their way around they have sharp elbows in that sense and they make you feel like you're an idiot for liking Fairy Lees or some nice beautiful piece of music from Chopin or whatever mm-hmm. it might be because oh well that's overdone meh 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 
well, hey, it's not overdone to me. You know, I'm discovering this for the first time. So get off my back. <laughs> so they're basically imposing their taste on you. Yes, yes. Yeah. So my saxophone teacher did not do that. He was amazing. He was the best. So for any uh, aspiring music teachers out there, that is the skill to have. And if you can't do that, then give it up, please. Do yeah. your students a favor and give it up. Yeah. Well, I think that translates to any kind of teaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I had uh, philosophy teachers or that sort of thing telling me I couldn't believe this or I couldn't believe that because blah, blah, blah. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, well, that just sounds like another form of indoctrination. Yeah, it is. Because Absolutely. they're trying to tell you how you were supposed to think and believe. Well, yeah, they're trying to be an intercessor between you and creation so that you're like they're they become like your little god you know mm-hmm. like your semi-god and you're not allowed to do anything without their approval or you know that sort of thing and all these students i've seen so many students get caught up in that because their teachers were like that and they kind mm-hmm. of nourished that attitude and their students become that as well so it's like this generational generational thing that just kind of churns over and over and over again and i see it again and again and i'm like okay stay away <laughs> So it's, yeah, it's very, uh, you know, with music, it's kind of like being a comedian. You can't fake being funny, you know? Right. Um, Either the music means something to you while you play it or it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you sound like a math problem solver. That's all you sound like. You don't sound like a musician. So it just becomes a math problem. So, and uh, yeah, so when does... A math problem become music well it's when you actually feel something for it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so when it actually speaks to you in a meaningful way that says oh i can't not play this song it's too beautiful you know and uh that's that's when you do it so well it stirs feelings yeah of course of course there is what the hell's the point of music if it isn't for feeling yeah i know (laughs) It's all about feeling mm-hmm. and, uh, and whether you truly like it's mechanically, a... there probably isn't as much feeling as what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, that, that has the technical, uh, perfection, but there's not any soul behind it as they like to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the whole dichotomy is how do you make it so that you can do the things technically so that you can bring out the feeling well (laughs) so it's kind of like this weaving of two things that you kind of constantly have to work into each other and if you do just one over the other if you only do with feeling then you kind of lose out because you have no technical means to play anything well that makes sense yeah and so if you only do the also if you only do the technical then yeah you become a great sight reader but (laughs) that's it you know and uh, a lot of classical musicians kind of fall into that, even jazz musicians and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, some of the best musicians can't read music. You know, some of the best composers out there that are the most well-known, like Bella Fleck, um, the, what's his, uh, plays the banjo, mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't read music. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, so many other brilliant, amazing composers and, and so on, um, was it Rogers and Hammerstein or whatever? Um, I don't know. I forget which one it was. Wrote all those 
huge um, musicals for all those big films and stuff. Uh -huh. Like, couldn't write or read music. Yanni, that's another one. Couldn't read music. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting you say that because I started playing um, because I was given the clarinet when I was, I think, about seven. Okay. And I took to it very well. And I started playing it without music. I mean, okay. I was going, I was getting ahead of myself. I didn't, couldn't completely read music, but I was playing it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. By ear. Right. And then my parents, and this was at school. So okay. luckily they were at school. So when my parents split up when I was eight, then the clarinet was left behind. And that was the last oh. time I really played an instrument. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you should get back into it. <laughs> I've thought about it. Uh, when? I'm like, yeah, I, it's a time I don't have commitment. Time. Yeah. Even I barely find time anymore to, to yeah. practice when I should. So, um, Because I wanted to learn to play the harp, but I still haven't. It. it just isn't time. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy world. It's just we can't stop and think about things. Mm -hmm. So. Well, there's just, you know, if you choose a certain life, you know, you, you, you give up certain things. So mm -hmm. I chose to live on a farm. Right. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it takes a lot yeah. of time. Yeah. Well, a lot of people around me were, you know, more into the practical, quote unquote, things, you know, in life and so on. And mm -hmm. um, but, you know. When they go to work every day, they listen to music, so. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they still appreciate the people that do it. And, oh, of uh, course. I'm, I'm so glad there are musicians out there. But yeah. I mean, I, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, this this thing with the farm, not that I don't enjoy it. I, I, I do enjoy it. But mm -hmm. I'm not sure I would have taken it to this scale if what what's happening in the world wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. I would have just had a little garden a little you know just a little garden mm -hmm. just to, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been growing trying to grow so much right right yeah 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 well I always wonder about that too with the music eh? like it's just should I be putting this much effort into it but you know at the end of the day what are you going to be well, left that's a personal with? choice I mean you know it is yeah yeah it depends yeah. on your circumstances too it does so. exactly so and I mean at the end of your life what are you going to be left with you're going to be looking back at a life saying, well, I've made a bunch of money, yeah. but I have nothing to show for, you know, the time that I put into my work. Or am I going to try and incorporate some of the things that are a bit more meaningful in life as well? And Yeah, that kind of happened to my grandfather. He, uh, he was an entrepreneur and then he ended up with his own. Later in life, he drove truck, which mm, sounds mm -hmm. like an awful job to yes, me. Yes, it does. And when he retired, he didn't know what to do with himself. Right. He watched TV. I mean, he helped in my grandmother's garden some. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he went and socialized at the senior center. But yeah. it was, man, he didn't have any hobbies really mm -hmm. or anything because he worked so much he never developed any. Mm -hmm. It was sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see I a lot of people. That. That. Uh -huh, I watched that and I went, oh, yeah, that's not going to be me. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think it'll be me either. <laughs> I just have a yeah. slight hunkering feeling that that's very unlikely to happen. Yeah, in my life. exactly. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah I, I did see that happening a lot. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so you retire at 65, you got a whole pile of money, and then what? Yeah. 
and then these people yeah they don't they don't know what to do with their lives my grandparents were like that they mm-hmm. watch tv and uh, i know it's like really and what's on too it's like you're, you're sitting in front of that all day because uh, yeah. my grandfather did he sat in front of the tv all day god he yeah, took little breaks and go do errands and stuff but that's mainly what he did uh, yeah, yeah. By the time he was in his, well, he was in his 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't look like he was in his 80s, though. He was okay. still pretty spry, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it doesn't matter, even if you're in your 80s. People think, oh, you're in your 80s, you're done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Is that's Billy silly. Done? <laughs> exactly. He's a great example, actually. Isn't he is. He? He is the way unreal. he barrels around the property cracks me up. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, he's, he's, yeah, he he's, he's working pretty, both tails off. I mean, he's he's yeah, he is in his officially aged um in his eighties, and he's just doing so much work, so I much know. work. Like he could barely find a, a moment to talk to him because he's always busy. Right. So, I don't know. I, I how can people not live that way? I don't understand it. I think it has a lot to do with the education system, though, too. It does. Because it teaches people not to really appreciate learning. It's only just for money. It's all just about materialism. I know. And, and, well, and like, you know, we've talked about this and I point this out to people sometimes about education that it's just become, uh, you know, how to become a corporate slave. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you know, what you were saying, it's not about education. It's about the money. Mm-hmm. It's not real knowledge. No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. that's why I went I the opposite direction. I, I realized that when I was seven and I'm like, you know, all my teachers were telling me, oh, you got to do this. If you got to get good grades so that you can get a good job so that you can do this and that and everything else. And I'm thinking to myself, you have a horrible life. Why would I want to be like you? <laughs> it's not, you know, you're telling me to get all this money. So, so you realized your your teachers had a horrible life. How how could you tell? I don't know. I just had this feeling. It was just this sinking feeling every time I was in school. I just thought this can't be a good life. <laughs> you mean being and, a teacher? Yeah, and I just well because of the things they taught. Like they were telling me knowledge is so that you can make money. Well, really? That's what knowledge is for? That's interesting. My teachers never said that to me when I was young. Huh. Mm. That's interesting. Oh, no, I they heard just it. it was more like it was more immediate, like the carrot and the stick thing. Mm. It wasn't about making money. It was like, you know, if you don't do it, you're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. <clears throat> it was uh, more like that for yeah. me. Yeah. So ah, that's interesting. Your teachers already I could see where, you know, some kids had that experience. I never really thought about that when I was young, what reasons my parent my teachers gave me. You know, they just I don't know. Mm. It was, I was had, I had a hard time in school when I was young. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess that's my normal. life was, yeah, it depends on your home life, how, you know, mm. mm-hmm. that's really depends a, a lot. And so I struggled. There were certain yeah. things I took right to, but um, it was more artistic mm-hmm. and it was even hard for me to learn how to read. And then when mm. I, once I did though, I took off like a shot. And, right. And, and then by the time I was in eighth grade, I was reading, you know, because they test you and they had this reading program and I was reading uh, graduate level stuff. So, oh, OK, Great. but in the beginning, um, I had to take summer reading programs. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And I wanted to learn how to read. Oh, okay. But there was no support at home either. So mm. No, that doesn't help, yeah. Well, it, it didn't help that my, my dad would tear my mom's books in half. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't help. <laughs> I'm not an expert in reading, but... <laughs> I yeah, I mean that was that was kind of an interesting message I was getting there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no kidding. He'd take he'd uh, pick up her page, you know, because she, my mom used her novels as a, a a form of escape, and probably to an extreme, you know. Right, right. And, but my father's way of handling it was to pick up a paperback and just, I mean, just take and open it up halfway and just rip it right I down the middle. I uh, never uh, forget seeing that visual, going uh, whoa. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, it's extreme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I had a hard time concentrating in school and stuff, too. But I had other things on my mind, as you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so, I did, too. Yeah. I daydreamed a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me, too. Man, I think that's common. I got in for... trouble for it all yeah. that time. <laughs> yeah. Me, too. I found one of my old report cards, Daniel, and it said, Carol daydreams too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was actually written on one of mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> In French. <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. Uh, I laughed own... when I saw it and I went, and then, you know, when I read, uh, by then I had read the psyche and understood that daydreaming is a natural form of healing because I was having neutral positive daydreams. I wasn't thinking about, the crap that was going on at home or how I had to do a better job in school. I was going off in these, you know, my little wonderful wish dreams. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was just natural, a natural healing process was going on. Yeah. I was was thinking about things I wanted to build with wood when I got home. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm hmm. Well, next painting good, I wanted but... to paint or draw, you know, or yes. whatever cool thing I want to see or, you know, whatever it might be. I'm going fishing after or, <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. We had this, when I was uh, living in Northern Wyoming, there was a big uh, tennis court slash okay. dance pavilion hmm. right across from my house. Okay. And well, it wasn't really big, but you know, it was there and they used it for anyway. So it was, I used to take chalk and just, cover that whole thing colored chalk with drawings <laughs> it was like one of my most favorite things to do and you know <laughs> then it would rain or whatever and i'd get to do it again yeah so nice. i That's would think about going over and drawing on that <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome yeah. yeah it was fun yeah yeah yeah, no, my, my teachers always told me, I don't know how many said it, you have your head in the moon. That's an expression in French, which oh, means you're, da- you're daydreaming. And uh, uh-huh. I said, well, yeah, you're not far off, actually. <laughs> yeah. A little farther than the moon, but yeah, you know. <laughs> right. I do. Yeah, yeah. So I do. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, I think daydreaming is wonderful. Oh, yeah, it's great. You yeah. Know, you wouldn't be able to be, there wouldn't be any composers or anything without that, so. No, I still daydream, don't you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. As I can, so mm-hmm. it's great. I always got to have, you know, I always have more carpentry projects in the works that I want to do, and, ooh, I want to try this and fix that up and try that and get some wood by the river and see how that's going to look on that shelf, you know, all that kind of stuff, so yeah. it's great. That's satisfying, isn't it? Oh, totally, yeah. Uh-huh. It's so much fun, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then it kind of helps with the music, too, because then, that's what I found about a lot of the musicians and stuff when I was in grade 12, that the only thing they thought about was music. And I thought that was fairly unhealthy because you know what? There's oh, other yeah. Things. Well, that's an There's... obsession. 
it's disgusting. And that's what makes your music so shallow because it has no connection with reality anymore. Mm -hmm. And so because the person playing it has no reality, you know, no connection to reality anymore. And so nobody can relate to that anymore <laughs> either. So it's kind of like this long chain of events that happens, you know. So it yeah. sounds like when somebody becomes that obsessed with something, that is just an escape. Yeah, yeah, I think so. If, if it's not a, I mean, you know, we're, and, I mean, there's obsessive compulsive disorder. What really causes that, you know? Mm, mm -hmm. um, I don't know exactly. It's, I know it's a, a mental problem. Mm, but I have no idea. I know it's to control anxiety, but you know, right. why do certain people develop that? But then there's, you know, become a, becoming obsessed with like, like you said, music where that's all they think about. That sounds like an escape to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I worked hard at it personally, mm -hmm. but it's cause I had goals for it and I had this and that. And well, no, you, you were know. just talking. I know you're just talking about the, the thinking about but, other things besides that too, though, because exactly. Because that's when you I, get, that's what I didn't find these other musicians doing. Yes. They didn't talk about that's, anything else. They didn't yeah. do anything else. They didn't have yeah. any other projects or anything, nothing. And I was like, this is not healthy. This is disgusting. Get that's why I said it sounds like an escape. Because yeah. don't yeah. you get inspiration for your music when you're doing other things? Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm tanning leather, that's uh, when I get most mm -hmm. of my ideas for all sorts of things. So... I'll be sitting there scraping a hide, sweating away and thinking, oh, this is awful. But, <laughs> you know, at the end uh -huh. of the day, I come up with like papers just jotted full of ideas and things. And I'm like, ooh, I got to go try that and this and everything else. And I'm so excited by the time I go walk in back to the house and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, go into the studio. And it's like Christmas morning the next day because <laughs> yeah. I have all these... This concludes this episode of Reality Ranch Podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to Daniel Cooper's musical efforts, you can do so at paypal.me slash moneyforsax. Until next week, Salome.